Welcome to Furniture Industry News for September 27th, 2023, where you can stay up to date on the latest news surrounding the ever-evolving furniture industry. In today's episode, we'll cover VPC Group USA's plans to acquire prestige fabricators, the drop in consumer confidence in September, the height limitation on mattresses, Miller Knowles Q1 financial performance, Nebraska Furniture Mart's launch of its 37B furniture collection, the thriving furniture retail market in Chicago, and the decline in container volume at various ports. Additionally, we'll discuss the slowing down of global trade and the difference in rates between East Coast and West Coast ports. VPC Group USA, a foam and fiber material producer, has exciting plans in the works. They are looking to purchase Klausner subsidiary Prestige Fabricators for approximately $7 million. This purchase would be part of the sale of Klausner's assets. To move forward with the acquisition, VPC needs court approval, which they have sought. Prestige, known for its foam material production for upholstery, would see its operations continue under VPC's ownership. Before Prestige closed on August 7th, they employed around 27 people at their foam plant and 30 people at their fabrication plant. VPC intends to extend job offers to some of these workers. The closure of Prestige led to the end of operations at two foam manufacturing facilities in Randolph County, North Carolina, where Klausner was located. Klausner, in turn, also ceased operations, resulting in over 800 job losses. Shortly after, the defunct company went into receivership. Focus Management Group, acting as the general receiver for Klausner, expressed confidence in VPC. They believe that VPC's reputation as a leading foam manufacturer and their sincere offer make them the ideal buyers for prestigious assets. The court has set a deadline for objections to the purchase, and the closing date is scheduled for October 6th. According to the court filing, several parties showed interest in prestige, with two submitting purchase offers. VPC's offer was accepted, and they provided a 10% deposit of the proposed purchase price, a portion of which is non-refundable. Their intention is to acquire most of Prestige's assets, including machinery, accounts receivable, technology, and intellectual property, among others. The receiver's filing emphasizes that approving the sale to VPC is in the best interest of the receiver's estate, creditors, and other interested parties. They believe that VPC's purchase will yield $7 million for the receivership estate, which is substantially more than a liquidation process would bring. Additionally, VPC's experience as a foam manufacturer should help them rehire former Prestige employees who lost their jobs in August. This would not be possible in a liquidation scenario or if the assets were sold to a buyer who didn't plan to continue the Prestige business. Overall, if VPC successfully takes over the business operations, it would greatly benefit the individuals previously employed by Prestige. The impact of their job loss would be mitigated, thanks to VPC's plans to continue the business as a going concern. According to the latest report from the conference board, consumer confidence and expectations took a sharp downturn in September. The consumer confidence index dropped to 103.0 from a revised 108.7 reported in August, and the expectation index fell nearly 10 points from 83.3 to 73.7, which is well below the 80 mark used to indicate an oncoming recession. Dana Peterson, chief economist at the conference board, stated that consumer confidence fell again in September 2023, marking two consecutive months of decline. 
She mentioned that September's disappointing headline number reflected another decline in the expectations index, while the present situation index remained relatively unchanged. Although the present situation index increased slightly from 146.7 to 147.1, indicating that consumers feel somewhat the same about current labor and business conditions, the trouble lies in the outlook on the future, as reflected in the drop of the expectations index. Peterson highlighted that expectations for the next six months fell below the recession threshold of 80, indicating less confidence regarding future business conditions, job availability, and incomes. She mentioned that consumers might be hearing more bad news about corporate earnings, while job openings are narrowing and interest rates continue to rise, making big-ticket items more expensive. Some notable points from the September report include consumers' assessment of current business conditions being slightly less pessimistic, with 20.9% saying conditions were good and 16.4% saying conditions were bad. Additionally, while consumers' appraisal of the labor market was slightly more positive, 13.6% said jobs were hard to get. Furthermore, consumers were less optimistic about the short-term business conditions outlook, and their assessment of the short-term labor market outlook was less favorable. Moreover, consumers' assessment of their short-term income prospects was more pessimistic, with 14.4% expecting their incomes to decrease. In conclusion, the latest report indicates a decline in consumer confidence and expectations, particularly concerning future business conditions, job availability, and incomes. According to a recent survey by Spring Air International, mattress height may be becoming too tall for many Americans. The survey, conducted among 50 of its top dealers, revealed that height has become a growing concern for consumers. Interestingly, consumers are not necessarily associating luxury with mattress height, contrary to what many manufacturers believe. Spring Air International President Nick Bates emphasized the importance of this insight. He mentioned that while consumers do want quality products, Feedback from dealers and customers indicates that older shoppers, in particular, prefer a more realistic and practical mattress height. For the demographic of older adults, who are typically able to afford higher-priced mattresses, a bed that is 19 inches tall can seem like scaling a skyscraper. In response to this feedback, Spring Air International has decided to set a maximum height of no more than 16.5 inches for all their new product designs. This adjustment aims to better cater to the needs and desires of their key demographic group, potentially leading to an increase in sales. The survey was part of Spring Air's strategy to continuously improve their products and stay aligned with dealer needs. They consider feedback from licensees and dealers as crucial for fine-tuning, updating, and innovating their offerings. It's clear that Spring Air International values their customers' opinions and ideas, recognizing that good isn't always sufficient and bigger isn't necessarily better. Miller Knoll, a giant in the industry, had quite the impressive first quarter. Although their sales declined by around 15% from last year, they still managed to exceed expectations. In fact, their shares shot up by 17% after the announcement. What's really impressive is that despite the overall decline in sales, Miller Knoll expanded its gross margin in each of its segments. Profits also improved in their America's contract segment, and operating expenses saw a significant decrease. 
However, Miller Knoll did mention that they are currently facing some challenges in specific sectors due to macroeconomic factors. While the specter of a recession in North America seems to be fading, the housing market remains under pressure. Additionally, they're dealing with tough macroeconomic conditions in China and Europe, but they're confident in their diversified business model and believe that their first quarter results demonstrate the strength of that model in offsetting these regional challenges. This positive momentum has prompted Miller Knoll to increase their outlook for fiscal 2024. They expect to generate adjusted diluted earnings between $1.85 and $2.15 per share for the full year. Despite the challenges, Miller Knoll remains optimistic about the future. Have you noticed how social media and influencers have changed the way we shop for furniture? Well, Nebraska Furniture Mart, NFM, is not sitting back and waiting to see how millennials, Gen Z, and other consumers shop in this digital age. Instead, they have developed their own collection called 37B, designed to cater to individuality and address the top shared characteristic of today's furniture shoppers, a constant influx of information. Nora Gomez, the chief merchandising officer of NFM, describes 37B as genless. This collection reflects the heightened awareness around personalizing our living spaces. It's about buying what you love and making it fit your lifestyle. The curated collection features furniture and unique accents for every room in a home, covering various lifestyle aesthetics like high design, traditional, transitional, and cosmopolitan. What sets 37B apart is its affordability. All items in the collection are priced less than $3,000. Additionally, it references five aesthetics within the first curated group, Japandi, Dark Academia, New Century Modern, Quiet Modern, and Grand Millennial. This diversity allows consumers to mix and match their favorite pieces to create an eclectic and unique interior. Gomez emphasizes that 37B is for everyone who wants a thoughtfully designed space reflecting their personal style. The collection includes contributions from more than 20 vendors, making it a -a one-of-a-kind offering from NFM. It simplifies the furniture shopping experience, giving customers options that support their individualistic interiors. With the launch of 37B in all Nebraska Furniture Mart stores, it's clear that NFM is focused on serving a different type of consumer. This innovation in thinking and service is part of their commitment to reinventing retail. Gomez believes that 37B is just one example of how this kind of forward thinking can take your store to the next level. Chicago is an exciting city for furniture retail with its vast population and diverse metropolitan area. With plenty of opportunities and a broad customer base, retailers can thrive in this thriving market. Established brands like The Room Place, Walter E. Smith, and Darwin Furniture and Mattress have been serving the city for decades, while others have been enticed by the potential outside their traditional markets. Even online retailers like Wayfair are recognizing the value of the Chicago market and are planning to open physical showrooms. However, as Colleen Smith from Walter E. Smith points out, entering this market requires a deep understanding of the established furniture industry and its complexities. The key to success lies in understanding the unique needs of Chicago's diverse neighborhoods and demographics. The Room Place, for example, ensures it offers a wide variety of products at the right price, catering to different tastes and budgets. They also reflect the city's diversity by having team members who can speak multiple languages. 
Newcomers like Steinhoffels have found success by bringing their proven retail principles, excellent customer service, and quality products from Milwaukee to Chicago. Wayfair is also making its mark with immersive and interactive experiences in their Joss and Main store and a forthcoming large format store. Looking ahead, retailers will need to continue adapting to digital innovations and customer preferences. However, the future remains promising for the furniture retail industry in Chicago. Steinhoffel's plans to expand its presence, Walter E. Smith will enter the Naples market while maintaining its Chicago stronghold, and the room place will stay true to its brand and its loyal customer base. The Port of Savannah, which is the fourth largest port in the country and the second largest on the East Coast, saw a 28% decline in container volume in August compared to the same time last year. On a monthly basis, the numbers didn't look so good, with 34,000 fewer containers moved than in July. Over at the Port of New York, New Jersey, the biggest port on the East Coast, container volume also took a hit, dropping 21.4% from last August. Year-to-date, imports are down 21.7%, while exports are down 1.5%. On a monthly basis, the volume fell by about 63,000 containers from July. The Port of Los Angeles, the largest port in the country, saw a 3% increase in container volume in August compared to last year. That's definitely a positive sign. But Port Director Gene Soroka isn't painting too rosy of a picture. He's predicting that global trade will continue to slow down as we move forward. So why is Los Angeles doing better than its East Coast counterparts? Well, one reason could be the recent ratification of a six-year contract between the International Longshore and Warehouse Union and the Pacific Maritime Association. That brought some stability and confidence back to the port. Last year, East Coast ports gained market share when delays and uncertainty plagued the West Coast. Interestingly, spot container rates remain higher at East Coast ports, but they might be starting to level out. The average rate from Shanghai to New York is $3,398, while it's $2,254 to Los Angeles. That's quite a difference, but the rates on the New York route have dropped 62% since last year, while Los Angeles has fallen 44%. Overall, it seems like global trade is facing some challenges right now. Export numbers from Asia are declining, leading to drops in volume for some of the top trading partners. The U.S. also has elevated warehouse inventories, which adds to the struggle. Stay tuned to furniture industry news from FurniturePodcast.com to stay informed on the latest updates in the furniture industry and make sure to subscribe for future episodes.